Okay. Very nice. Okay. There we go. There we go. So let's get right into it. Siraj is an undergrad at Stony Brook University. We actually met at the gym playing basketball years ago yep. at the sports club. Siraj, I met Dr. Nicastro at the sports club. Dr. Capuano. Yeah. 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 That was way back then. I don't even think it's a gym anymore. I think it's something oh, else. I heard it's a, I heard it's a pickleball. They they do a pickleball place now. They we should they, go. Yeah. It's right around the corner. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I heard. My one of my buddies Crazy. reached out to me and, and told me about it. I'm like, yeah, you know. So that was yeah, that was our place. Uh, you know, five o'clock in the morning. That's Every right. Morning. I. I mean, I saw you on mostly on weekends because at over at seven, <laughs> at seven, yeah. So I couldn't make those five ends. But I went to Stony Brook Dental School. Doctor Nakasha went to Stony Brook Dental School, um, and then went to St. Charles for GPR residency. And then from there, who in, did? Who's it? I didn't did go you go to St. Charles? No, I was I was uh, Stony Brook AEGD. AEGD. Okay. Oh, oh no, no. But you used to go to the OR. I thought with Doctor Capuano at St. Charles. So, no. so the OR. No, I never went to the OR with Dr. Capilano at, at St. Charles because I, I would have to work to, at St. Charles to – I met Dr. Capilano at, uh, when I was a fourth-year dental student going through Nassau County Medical Center. That's when. Okay, and right. he was the chief And I was doing an externship in oral surgery, and he was, chief of, uh, he was the chief resident at the time. That's what – okay. That's where we met. So I was still a dental student when I met Dr. Capilano. And he right. was a he was okay. a also res, a, a resident. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay, that connects the pieces there. Yeah. And then so AG, AGD at Stony Brook, right? And, and then you went out into private practice. Then I went this out was- to pri- private practice, right? So my dad was a dentist, and I went in with him. Um. So the the funny thing is, and like you know, things have changed a little bit, but. When I was in my fourth year, it was a decision whether uh, to do a residency or go right into private practice. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do a residency. And I got to tell you, it was the best thing I ever did. And the reason why I decided to go into a residency is because I wanted to learn more. And I wanted to learn from different people. I knew that my, my father could teach me, but like I wanted to have, I didn't want to just become a clone. I wanted to have different influences. So I was very, very uh, lucky that I trained under uh, some really great faculty when I was in AAGD. Uh, Doug Firth, Mark Pancato, um, just so many great faculty, Mark Sloven. I mean, so many good dentists that I, I got such great training. And so when I walked into private practice, um, I was ready to go. I, w- I was ready to go. For sure. And uh, then I learned a lot from my father when I when I started practicing as an associate. And um, the uh, great thing about it was uh, my dad was very big in implant dentistry. And I so I naturally had to be good at, you know, implant dentistry and the Stony Brook AEGD. Training with uh, Mark Firth and uh, Mark uh, Mark Pancato, they were big in implant dentistry and they liked implant dentistry. So I <clears throat> learned a lot from them. So when I jumped in, I already had a head start and everything like that. And then, uh, you know, working with my dad was was uh, great. I mean, um, you le- I learned a lot. He was a great teacher in in, in certain things, and uh, we did not always agree. 
And that's one of the groups. <laughs> that was one of the great things about doing a residency, because if I would have came out of uh, just out of dental school, I would not have certain I would have just become a clone. And now, like, so there were some some instances where he would take what I learned and apply it to what he was doing. And, really? And, and make some changes. Yeah. Because like, you know, what happens in private practice is and I, you know, if you are not. um you get, you gotta be careful in private practice because you can be get you feel like you can get into this little box where you're not interacting, mm. right? And there's so much to learn from other people, and so you always gotta consistently learn. Uh, I never stop learning. I still learn to this day. It's it's just it's just crazy. I always try to surround my myself with people who are can teach me more, you know, and everything like that. And What's by it? far, you never stop learning. What's a, a consistent way for, so say you're, I mean, you're, you, you do this every year, right? I know you go on some trips where you yeah. take the courses, but are there any other methods? And if we could go into that even to continue learning and staying on the top of your game. And just like you said, you don't get fixed in a box in your own private practice. You know, you're, cons you're constantly taking from learn and learning from others and then applying it every day. So, I got to tell you the, the, so there's online courses that you could take, which are great. Okay. And you could, you know, and I'm, I'm a big YouTube watcher. I watch YouTube. Like, like I'm a, I'm a dental geek. I'm going to tell you right now, I am a dental geek. So like, like if I'm like, you know, we could be, everybody could be watching TV and I'm on YouTube looking at a video on like, you know, a certain implant technique or something like that. And that's just like uh, what I call passive learning. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm passively learning stuff. Uh, active learning wise, especially when you're young, th th the biggest mistake that I think young, young dentists make is they're afraid to invest in themselves and themselves. They're afraid to spend the money. So you have to spend money on yourself. You have to invest in yourself. You, okay. So don't be afraid to take that hands. The hands-on courses are really the best courses to take because then you have somebody watching and teaching you a technique. Mm. Okay. it's not just didactic which is very important don't get me wrong but you but the hands-on technique is is crucial okay the best courses that i feel are the ones that set you up didactically for the first couple of days and then now you go do hands-on those are the best courses um but you you can always passively learn all the time you could passively. i never like you know like if i'm doing a big case with um Dr. Capuano or Dr. Gish, and they're doing something. I'm watching. I'm watching the surgery. I'm watching, like, you know, I do place implants, but I learn from them all the time, right? So, like, you know, because they're, you know, you just learn, you watch people do things and you, and you ask questions and you just actively learn all the time and everything like that. So, you never, you never stop learning. But the biggest mistake I really think I see it all the time is like, oh, you know, I really want to take Kois. And it, but it's really expensive. Yeah, but you're investing in yourself, mm. and you're, you're, that will pay you back. You you will you will make headway just by doing that course. There's no way you won't. And <laughs> I didn't take course. I wish I took course. Course. One of the biggest mistakes I felt as a young person was I didn't take a. So course is a select like uh, series of courses, and you graduate from their program. Right. Right. And, uh, but like, so there's Dawson, one does it the same way and stuff like that. But it really sets you up to understand certain principles like occlusion, which I don't think you get enough of in dental school. Mm. Uh, 
and then then you jump into prosthetics and you can't really do prosthetics effectively without understanding occlusion right you know you really can't and i feel like occlusion is just kind of past you know it's really just touched on in dental school not you know and everything that's true that's true you know we touch on it uh, and, and we we go into it a lot didactically, but seeing it clinically and then working with it clinically, that mm -hmm. you're right, we miss out a lot of that. And I, and it's not the school's fault. There's so much to teach, right? So it's like I'm big on occlusion in the clinic. I mean, I'm sure you could you talk to some of the fourth year students now. Like I tell them, the the thing that will kill your work the fastest is occlusion. If you don't have proper occlusion. Right. Your work, it'll kill what you did and stuff like that because, you know, it gets beat up all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about, it, you know, it just, it just gets beat up all day long. The, uh, so, I mean, occlusion, I think it's just passed upon a little bit. And like, I, I really felt like TMJ, we didn't learn a lot of TMJ stuff, you know, but that, that could be a whole six months course on itself, TMJ. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, a, it's lot. a lot, all right. <laughs> so, and everything like that. I'm in the thick of it right now. Yeah, there's there there's a lot going on there. I mean, yeah. there's functional, there's myofacial pain, there, there's right. we could go on for days in that. But yeah. Dr. Castro, right now, and has this changed over the course of your career, your favorite treatment to go into on a, with a patient? Um, yes, it has. So I think when I was when I was in the middle of my like so maybe five six years in, I would tend to complicate treatment, <clears throat> like get try to get fancy, like try to get like you know want those that big laminate case or big stuff like that, or do this big thing. What I find now is I try to simplify treatment. I try to keep things simple, and you'll always tend to have the better outcomes that way and and stuff like that. And what I mean, keep simple, I'm not saying so like when, so like, you know, back in the day, we used to do roundhouse bridges and stuff like that, which I was never a fan of, but I always look to break up work. So if I could put implants in and separate work, like, so if, if somebody needs a full arch restoration on natural teeth, well, and, and instead of doing a whole bunch of bridge work, I'll break it up with, with implants. Mm. Like, see what I'm saying? And you're keeping the dentistry smaller. Right, right. 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 And that that's that's honestly what what I I try to do. And but I but you have to understand when you're when you're treatment planning for patients. And I, I really feel like, you know, we teach this a lot with the residents is they should have three options, at least for treatment. They huh. should they should have like, you know, this is like, you know, the Ferrari of treatment. Right. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, the Nissan and this is the Pinto. But it's all good treatment. Right. And because not everybody could afford to do a full arch of implants and stuff like that. So you have to be able and you have to be sensitive to that. Right. You know? So yeah. you have to be sensitive to that. So not one treatment plan fits one. A patient. You have to give patients options and educate them on the options and then let them make the decision what they want to do. Right. Right. That's really that's really important. I mean, that's really important because you're you're you're, you're treating all kinds of patients. Like, you know, and everything like that. So, so uh, and you have to be sensitive to that. 100%. I'm just learning about that sensitivity now and being able to divide things up based on the patient's needs, which sometimes is financial, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something 
And just like you said, they're all good treatment plans. You know, the, the car will get you from point A to point B. Right. right? right. <laughs> I mean, and that's the whole thing is so, and like, so you're doing right by the patient. And when people talk about like, you know, I have, you know, students ask me, you know, Dr. Nicastro, what do you do for advertising? I don't advertise at all. I never, I've never advertised in my my life. All my advertising was from other patients. And I don't care. I'm not saying it's bad to advertise. It just wasn't my thing. The uh, advertising, uh, so your best referral or your best advertisement is going to be the patient that leaves your office. That's right. That's right. Word 100%. of mouth. A hundred percent is going to be that. So what do you do for that? So the only thing patients know, and this is the truth, your colleagues and your specialists that you work with know if you do good work. The patients don't know, right? That's true. The patients only know that you were nice and that you took care of them in a compassionate, empathetic way. That's it. Okay. But and I think it's a good thing. Your colleagues will tell you if you're doing bad work. Yeah. All right. So you, the specialists you work with won't refer anything to you if you're not doing good work. The uh, you'll have work come back to you where they saw another dentist and it wasn't good. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's that's really like so that you you have to do good work. Okay. But but the but it's really it's really the patient doesn't look in their mouth and and see how you the anatomy you put in a MOD composite restoration. Right. Right. It's, right. it's, you know, it's, the, or doesn't know what that, oh, the margins are so great around this crown. Yeah. If, if somebody else who else is looking at it knows if it was that, that's, so like, that's the difference. So I, so you always, you always have to be empathetic. You always have to be nice. Right. Uh, and you'll get more patience that way. And when you do good work, you know, and you do do that cosmetic case or, or something like that. That's where you get. So if they, if you, if it looks good, you're gonna get a referral from. It could be two years later, from right. another person that. Oh, I saw that you did Mrs. Jones's teeth, and like you know, and so they and they'll come up to you and you did you know you did eight laminates on them, and it's uh, I want that. I'm like yeah, but you don't need eight laminates. You need this, right? So like you know like so that everybody gets the same case, but like something like that. But like that's that's kind of like how it worked, and that's how I practice still, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and your practice is it's expanded in a sense because now in the beginning it was you and your dad, right? Right. hundred percent. Yep. So it was just you. Two. How, how many years was it just you two under the same roof like that? Uh, 13 years, 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just you two. And then were you alone at any point in time there before? I was, you... uh, I was alone for two after that. And then uh, I got an associate after that. And the problem was, is when he decided to retire, um, it was a two-man practice. And I was trying to find the right person. And so, like, for two years, I was kind of, you know, doing And I was kind of doing, uh, running a two-man practice by myself. And it was busy. It was really a little bit too busy. I always say this. It's good to be busy, but you don't want to be unproductively busy. Mm. Where not everybody can get your attention that you that that they need, right? Yeah. So, so it's so it is a uh, it's great to have an, uh, you know to have another dentist working with you. I love it having another dentist. I always will love having another dentist work with me because it frees me up to do other things. Also, it's it's good because you could talk about cases together, you know, 
and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, and, and learn and teach from each other and everything like that. I mean, that's, so it's, it's really like, I, I like a group practice model for sure now. Right. Um, because you don't, you tend not to get put in, get locked into that little box when you're, when you, when you have other people working with you. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, that, right, because it encourages it, uh, communication, and then with that communication, you're learning what others' needs are, what others like to do, what right. what you need to do for them, what they need to do for you. Those two years alone, was it Dr. Felpo that came on after that? Was it a different? And Dr. Felpo came in after that, right? It was. Oh, so this was. So when we had met, that was right around the time. I mean, this is, we're going back. What like. We're going back a good 11, 12 years now. That was when your father retired, I guess? So he just about was out. He was almost out, right? Wow. So he was just coming in. He was more going part-time and stuff like that. And uh, from there, the uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I got to tell you. So it's tough when you lose a partner. Well, you know, he retired and I bought him out, right? And and now I, I own the practice. And uh it was it was tough. It was it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of like you know, because you know I get calls on Sunday morning like you know mm. just like you know you know I mean that happens and stuff like that. So did you like it, absorb, did you absorb his patience after that? Yep, one hundred percent. All of them. Yep, all. Of them. So I mean, and and like he was busy. It wasn't like he wasn't a busy dentist. He was busy, and. Uh, we both like I was busier than him by that time, but like he still was busy enough where I needed help for sure, mm. you know, stuff like that. And then I decided to take a uh, a dentist fresh out of residency who couldn't didn't have the skill set yet that my father had, right? But it was great because then you then then you teach him, right? And then you you know or her, you know, and then you and then you you know. They they get better skill set. They go they move up, and they, you can see the progression and how they get better and and stuff like that. It's great watching, and that's one of the reasons why I love teaching. Uh, it's it's great seeing light bulbs go on in, in people's heads. Like you know, like they're they're, they're so they've been sitting in dental school and they're sitting in class, and then like all of a sudden, you tell them they they do something. You say, well, I would, this is you, you need to do this, and then all of a sudden you say, what well, they can say why, and then they do it, and they're like, oh my god, now I know why I learned this. Right now, I know why I did this. Right, so I mean, it kind of when you see it all start to come together, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's awesome to see. I I've seen that too, and you know, you've had my light bulb go on go on a bunch of times. You know, I've learned so much over the years. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish, in some ways, I was still at Stony Brook, you know, so I could come in and see in the hallways. So it's so funny. It's like you look back, like everybody complains about dental school a little bit and stuff, you, you know, about because it's definitely a lot. It's busy. It's a lot of pressure. It's like, you know, and I, you know, definitely when it's around board time, I could see like everybody's a little uptight. But you look back on it and you're going to look back on it and be like the connections you made, the friendships you had, the faculty that you met. I mean, all that you'll, you'll never you'll never forget it. And it ends up being like that. It, it, it ends up being a good thing. I can remember when I was in dental school, I'm, I'm walking the same hallways that I did when I was, you know, 25 years old. Like, right. So, I mean, it's That's right. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. You got your graduation picture on the wall too, right? Yeah. I have my graduation <laughs> there, right? Exactly. And everything like that. And uh, it's, yeah. Um, I loved Stony Brook. I still love Stony Brook. Um, I think it's a great program. Um, 
you know, the faculty there are, are great. I mean, I, you know, I have, you know, the ones that I work with all the time, I, I just think the world of, I think they're great people and great. You work with uh, Dr. Pruthi? Do you know Dr. Pruthi? Well, I know Dr. Pruthi, never worked with him because he's usually at the hospital. I, I saw him in the hallways a couple of times. He might be in the hospital. He, yeah, he's in the hospital a lot. Um, and I'm only there Wednesday, so he may be in the clinic on the all surgery clinic he's, on different days. Or at his office. He's, yeah. a, he's an unbelievable surgeon, though, for sure, hundred percent. Like he's a great surgeon. I mean, um, I do see that. I do work with the oral surgery residents a lot because it being in the GPR, they uh, work closely with us on certain cases, and um, they have nothing but great things to say about Dr. Pruthi. Like when you know, whenever the whole oral surgery. Uh, attending most of the attendings are just fantastic. I mean, they really are. They, you know, and uh, the G the oral surgery residents are very good to the GPR residents, and they, you know, they bail them out of a lot of stuff. They teach them a lot of stuff. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 you know, I gotta tell you, it's great for oral surgery residents to bail GPR residents out because that's Why? what we're gonna because it's gonna be that's what you're you're gonna one of the parts of being an oral surgeon is that. So it's okay. good for both sides. It's good for both. It's good for both sides because, first of all, like whenever an oral surgery resident comes over to help a GPR resident, I tell them, watch him like a hawk, see what he did. Right? Ask him questions. Right, right. Ask her questions. Because uh, you're learning. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. You're always actively learning, right? So, I mean, that's like, you know, you know, that, I mean, that, that, that's part of it. You know, and then what 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 bugs me out is when I'm working in the GPR and I see one of the fourth year students that I worked with, and they're about to graduate their oral surgery residency, and they're like a different. It's like a different person, huh? Not like not like not. They're still awesome and they're still great student. Like you know, but they just just seeing how far they've come. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and like even seeing my GPR residents, it, the ones that stay on for the chief year. If they stay on for a second year, seeing the change from them when they walked in in first year to when they graduate is, is unbelievable. Speaking of Nadine, one of both yes, are, a yeah. good friend of mine too. Yeah. yeah, she stayed for a chief year. She was great. She was yep. nice. she was great chief for sure, and everything like that. I I, she, I, I miss them all. I gotta tell you, they're, they're all they're all you know really really good. It's there sad to see them go, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then you got a whole new bunch of them in. I mean, it's just it's like. Every year. And that's that's the difference between dental school and GPR. I mean, you know, with GPR, you get them one year, maybe two if they stay for a chief. But at least in dental school, you could kind of see someone in the hallways for a few years. Right. You see them in the hallway. I tend to only to work with the fourth year. You know, I only really see the fourth year. I, I, once in a while, I'll, I'll have the second year in the clinic and I'll come across working with them just on, you know, other stuff. But most of the time, it's just the fourth year that I that I work with. Right, right. I think I had introduced you to Sean uh, earlier on, and I and also Sean apologized he couldn't make it tonight. Oh no! Um, we I we want to. I still see Sean walking the hallways, so that's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. and that's good. Good, <laughs> Suraj, you, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, I just said that Sean's Sean's there still. So uh, yeah, Sean's still there. Yeah, okay. So, so private, yeah, go ahead, private practice. You want to talk about private practice, though, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I love so private practice is a whole different animal than than the whole teaching aspect of you know you know of everything. Uh, when you private practice is like I said, like some people advertise, I didn't. Uh, the biggest thing about private practice is your skill set, 
Okay. And that's why I say you never stop learning. You should be improving your skill set and you see what you, and then you'll start to do treatments that you, you'll tend to start doing things that you like, you know what I'm saying? And kind of your practice will kind of grow that way. But what's really important is your staff. Okay. So staff is huge and, and you want to hire good people. And when you to hire good people, you also have to pay good people and you have to pay them what they, what they deserve to be paid. Right. And so when I, so my sister is my office manager still, and she's been there before I was even there and she's still there. I, the two hygienists I worked that worked for me stayed on, they both retired now and they both were with me over 20 years. Right. So, I mean, and it, when they, when they retired, it was like heartbreaking. Like, you know, I mean, it yeah. was heartbreaking. but they had, you know, they, it's the way life works and I, and everything like that. Uh, Nicole, you remember Nicole who used to work in yeah, the yeah. So like uh she she was a great. She was great. And uh so it was a very family like atmosphere. So as a dentist, you have to hire good people and have good systems in place, okay, and be good to those people. Right. Okay. Because when you're good to people, they're gonna be good back to you generally. Okay. And if Absolutely. they're not, then you know what, you did the right thing and then, then you move past it. But uh, that's a big thing. You have to be. You have to have a great staff. You have to train them to, to how you want to practice. But you have to be good to them. You have to be good to them. What are some ways? Because I mean, well, the hospital is different, right? No one's getting a good paycheck there. <laughs> but what are some ways, other than financial reimbursement, salaries, etc., to kind of Keep someone motivated, being good to one of the, you know, one someone on the team. It's not even about being an employee. It's about someone on your team, right? What's mm-hmm. one way other than like, you know, the salary or financials to kind of keep someone motivated, keep them on the team and, and you know what I mean? So at least once every three months, we do happy hours. We go out as, a, as an office, right? And and not really be like in, in the whole dental environment and like, yeah. you know, happy hour, you do that. Um, you get involved with their, you, you get in contact, you, you, you just gotta be in touch with their families and like, and care about them as a person. I think that's the, the, the real thing. You, you have to make that connection with them in a personal level, mm. right? You know, um, and everything like that. You have to make it a fun work environment, not so serious all the time. It doesn't have to be so serious all the time. You know, patients like when you walk, when they walk into an office and the whole feeling is a relaxed feeling. Yeah, yeah. Right. If it's ultra uptight and like you know, then that's not that that's not a really good. The patients could pick up on that. Okay, I know dentists who like bake bread in the office to get that just a different smell in the office. I mean, I'm not kidding. I know of the dentist that does that, and it's not a bad idea, right? It's not a bad idea because it, it like it brings like a home feel to it and, and stuff like that. There's a whole different ways, but to keep your staff happy, you have to interact with them. Um. You, you have to hold them accountable for, don't get me wrong, you have to hold them accountable for when things aren't you know, right. But I got to tell you, so you lead by example. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, that, I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, like, if you hold yourself accountable for certain things, that you, your staff will tend to hold themselves accountable. But if you did something wrong and we all do something wrong and you don't take accountability for it, mm-hmm. right, then you're, you're, you're not showing you're not, you're not showing them the right way to do, right? You know, right. so leaders don't tell people what to do. Leaders should act and show them how to do it. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. 
So like, you know, you lead by example. And, and, and I think that's so, that's really the way it is. So when the dentist is relaxed, the staff tends to be relaxed. So I used to always say to myself, I set the tone. Like, so like, so like if I walk in there in a bad mood, everybody's day is going to be in a bad mood. That uh-huh. like, I'm not a yeller, but if I'm quiet, I get quiet when I'm up, when I'm, when I'm annoyed or upset, I get quiet. And they used to know if I'm quiet, something's something's like I'm upset about something. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not the type to just start screaming through the office and stuff like that, but like, right. Right. Yeah. But so it, it's on me to set the tone, right. You know, were there a lot of quiet days in those, those two years when you were the sole partner? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, you know, I got to tell you there, there was, it was definitely more stressful um stress like everybody handles stress in a, in, a, in different ways uh there, there was there was definitely some more tougher days but i still enjoyed it i look at you know and everything like that and when you have a good staff they help take the pressure off of you right right and stuff like that so i mean you know not that they're physically doing the work for you but like you know it's it's you know it's something you got you know it's good to be busy like i said but you don't want to be unproductively busy Right, right. Right. So you want to be always productive and you want to be, you want every patient to have your full attention and you want them to, you know, and, and everything like that. And sometimes when you're over busy, you're getting pulled in so many directions. It's hard to pay. You want to pay attention to detail. You want to pay, you know, and, and, and that can get tough and that can get tough. So that's what, that's what I did not like about it. That's the only thing I didn't, the only thing I didn't like about it is like, I, I just felt I wasn't spending enough time. Okay. And that's now that's my fault. And that's accountability. Right. So that like, mm. and that's, that's where I struggled. That's right. That's right. And, and you mentioned earlier, not enough time with patients in some circumstances, right? What about time with employees? Would that kind of fall into the umbrella too? Um, or team, you know, not employee, but no. like your team. So, you know, everybody kind of work together. So like, you know, it's a, you saw my office It's not very big, you know, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So, I mean, everybody was around each other. So the, there was always time that we were talking or, or something is happening. The, uh, the hardest part is keeping the staff nice to each other. It's not so much nice to me. Right. Like in stuff <laughs> like that, but like, you know how office politics go, like, you know, yeah. like, this one's mad about this because she did this. And then like, you know, that, I mean, so that's stuff that like you, you need a good office manager to be able to, to, to keep them back on track and stuff like that. And then, <laughs> like, I remember. Like, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, Siraj, one of the first things that Dr. Nkasha taught me, it was at the gym. It was a Sunday morning. This is, this is while I was in undergrad. Right. And, and I was like, how's everything going? You know? And he's like, you know, when, when you really boil it down, I'm just a firefighter all day. I'm just putting out fires. And yeah. I was like, I, I didn't really understand at the time. I was like, oh, I guess, you know, it's busy, a lot of stuff going on. And now, and now I know. You know, right? So, I mean, like, so what, what happens is um, the longer you're in practice, the more patients you have treated, right? The more, I mean, I'll, I can see if that, all of a sudden I'll see a patient that I treated 10 years ago and I haven't seen them. And now they're, they're having a problem, right? And it's just like, I have, you know, it, and so, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. So now you have to squeeze this into where you're doing this and, and stuff like that. If it's a real emergency, like, you know, yeah, and stuff like that, you know, um, 
it, it's 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 funny. Like I I always have something. I have it's in my office. I should take a picture of it and show it to you. It says, uh, what, "What does it say?" It's something funny. It says, um, "Procrastination on your part is not an emergency on my part." <laughs> but how do you say that to a patient no but i always say that it calms me down okay so listen it's like because dentists want to blame themselves for everything i don't know where we learn this but like you know yeah. you, you could have a case that you did 15 years ago and if something's going bad with the case you you feel bad right you feel bad right but it's like it's not your fault i mean things what god gave them didn't work full time right so and you're you know and we're not god like you know and everything like that right but it's it, so. I mean, that's so. You would never. I would never say it to a patient. Right. right. You wouldn't say that to a patient. I say it to, to patients. Not that, but I say to patients all the time. I was like, "So when was the last time you saw a dentist?" Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, COVID happened, and I was like, "Okay, when was the last time before COVID?" And they're like, "Well, I, I don't know. You know, the recession happened." <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's true. you know, pe people. People don't take care. A lot of people don't take care of their teeth. We see it all the time, right? They don't take they don't take care of their teeth, um, and they get themselves in a lot of trouble for not doing that. I mean, like you know, you know, facial swellings and big big time stuff that that can go wrong, um, or like you do a you know one of the big things when you're doing a case, like say we're doing a big Crown and Bridge case, you have to take into account the patient's hygiene. Because they have to maintain this. If they if they're not maintaining, my big thing that I say to them, and I will say this, is I get to see you every six months, right? And they clean your teeth every six months. You have to clean your teeth every day. In between those six months. <laughs> right. In between those. So, so like your your I need your help to maintain this. Right. You know, this is basically what what it comes down to. It's oh, I hear it. Yep. Yeah. So it's hard. Changing people's habits is hard. You, you know, and stuff like that. That's a, that's a hard thing to, you know, patient come in and like, you know, you took out, so you took out a wisdom tooth, they get a dry socket. Did you smoke? Yes. Did I tell you not to smoke? Yes, I can't. Okay, well, you got a dry socket, <laughs> right? I mean, that's it. So yeah, we got it, right? But like, you know. It that is like 50%, your guys' job, 50% of the patient, right? Right, it's so. In, so at our office, we do all in four surgeries, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with, like all in four, so. Um, yeah. They come in like every six months for like a implant maintenance treatment, yeah. and like sometimes patients will come in, they just don't they have they haven't like taken care of it. Their their bridges are all yellow. They just it just smells right. like smoke. Right. Uh, you know, doc's just like, come on, man, what, what's going on? Like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a forty thousand dollar investment for yourself. Right. It's frustrating. It's it's definitely frustrating. It's the hardest thing to do is to break people's habits. Uh, um. You know, a lot of, so the all on four is interesting and uh, not, not to digress onto something, but so all on four, I don't do hybrid anymore. I don't do acrylic. Hmm. I do mostly zirconia or PFM. And the reason why is because everything sticks to zirconia, uh, to uh, acrylic. Acrylic, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Everything sticks to it. It gets nasty looking. It gets smelly. It just gets like, you know, it's just not, it's. So the zirconia, especially, everything just falls away from zirconia. Things don't stick to mm -hmm. zirconia. Okay. Yeah. They don't stick to it. So you'll see that, you know, zirconia is easier, easier to clean. Uh that like there's not as much sticking to it. There's no staining that you see with the acrylic. Okay. If you have a smoker and you do an acrylic hybrid, it's stained within a year. It's stained and looks gross. Um, you don't deal with as many broken teeth, uh, broken appliances, but 
where's the weak link? This is something that we all talk about. So the, a lot of the docs that do full arch, like myself, one of our big discussions that we have is there's always really quick, really quick. It says less than a minute. Can we just sign out and then sign back in? Cause it's going to, it's going to end really quickly. Okay. Just, just sign out, sign back in real quick. Yeah. Okay.